Good morning, Sun Valley Church, and welcome back to The Voice of the Valley. I'm your host, Jeremy Pinch, and across the table, I have Pastor John Schubert. And last week, we started our Advent series with Dr. Grisanti as he talked about the promised one, as he looked back into the Old Testament and and the promises of the one who would come and, and restore and make all things new. Um, and today we're going to be talking about the lineage of Christ, why it's important, and and why does Matthew and Luke bring it up. And so I'm excited about it. I, I remember John preached a sermon a couple years ago, not a couple years ago, it was probably like six or seven years ago now, on the lineage of Christ, and it was amazing, and I loved it. Um, and I'm excited for him to to talk about it today. So thanks, John, for... Yeah, happy to be here. Coming in. You know, I was just looking at First Chronicles and reading through the lineages in the first ten chapters of that book. Mm. And whenever I guess <laughs> a little long, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. Whenever I whenever I come across lineages, it's it's easy just to blaze right through them. Yeah. Um, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Can't pronounce half the names anyway. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. So why is it why is it important that we should slow down when we come to the lineage of Christ in in Matthew one and in Luke chapter three? Well, who's Christ? All right, this is a question for me. This is a question for you, Jer. Who, who is Christ? Uh, well, he's our Savior. He's yeah. our Messiah. Yeah. So Christ is the promised Messiah, the promised Savior of the world. He is without a doubt the most important person to ever walk the planet, mm-hmm. most important person to ever live, there ought to be a, a record <laughs> of his heritage. Yeah. You know, there ought to be a record of where he came from, who his parents, that's, and, and there is, you know, the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Luke, present to us a pretty detailed um, genealogy of Christ. And it is real important that we have that because of who Christ is. I mean, he is God come from heaven, taking on human flesh, John chapter 1, mm-hmm. and um, providing for mankind a way of salvation, forgiveness of sins, um, freedom from guilt and, and sin and sorrow and uh, a promise of future glory with God in heaven. Yeah. So it's 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 appropriate yeah that we have genealogy of the most important person who ever lived yeah. i would say that's why we should slow down that's why we should take our time looking at the details of it mm-hmm. why are the details as they are yeah. in both gospels and they're not just random lists of names um, as you might come across in first chronicles yeah. and I'm, I'm, I'm not saying those are random i'm just saying that there's there is no uh, random element at all in Christ's uh, list of uh, lineage or yeah. his you know ancestors. Yeah, very important yeah. list, yeah. which is why we're talking about it today. Yeah, yeah. So these these people in in Christ's list, we have we have a few bums in that list. Got a lot of bums. <laughs> yeah. This what's what's important about these specific people? Well, there's as you say, uh, bums. We can just say sinners. That's a long list of sinners. Yeah. Some stand out more as sinful people than mm-hmm. others, 
but all are sinners. Um, there are actually some godly people in those lists that is encouraging to see. Yeah. Um, but there's these things, these lists rather, represent a specific group of people that that uh, Matthew wanted to highlight, that Luke wanted to highlight. Yeah. Uh, if we want to dive into the details of of this, let's let's start with Matthew. Okay, you're taking Bible classes right now. You're in Bible school. Have you gotten to a study of the Gospels yet and learned who the the Gospel of Matthew was written to? Well, we've no. Okay, but no. you probably know it's written to Jews, mm-hmm. right? That's that's who the Book of Matthew is aimed at—a Jewish audience. And so if you begin looking at the beginning of Matthew and read chapter 1, it says in verse 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, what you know about Judaism, would you say those are important names? Yeah. David and Abraham? Yeah. Probably the most important names (laughs) are those two guys. Yeah. And Matthew begins his book saying, here's who Jesus came from. King David... And Abraham, yeah. you would immediately have, I mean, he would immediately have your attention, the author. Mm-hmm. Okay, this this is an important guy. This guy, Jesus, is this book about Jesus from Matthew, the gospel of Jesus Christ, according to Matthew, is about this really significant person. If for no other reason, he is a descendant of King David and Abraham, the yeah. father of our nation. Yeah. So that alone will get your attention yeah. if you're a Jewish reader, yeah. which was Matthew's point. Listen up, folks. Uh, Jesus is actually the one who has rights to the throne of David. He's an heir of David, yeah. who was an offspring of Abraham, the father of our nation. That, that is huge for the Jewish reader. Right. And then you go through this list, and he traces it all the way from Abraham. He starts with Abraham and traces it down to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so the line goes through all these different people, including women, but including kings, and ends up with David. I mean, Jesus, it says, who is called Christ. And so... Uh, we have different objectives from the authors of the Gospels. If you turn over to Luke, you'll discover that it's different than Matthew. Yeah. Matthew starts with Abraham and works to Christ, but Luke, in Luke 3, begins with Jesus and goes the opposite direction. Right. So Matthew goes from Abraham to Christ, Luke goes from Christ backwards to God. Yeah. And so the, you can see from just that strategy, both of those authors have a different intent. Matthew wants to establish the royalty of Christ. This mm-hmm. is the promised king. This is, this is the one that was promised, the promised Messiah, the king of Israel the, in the line of David. And then there's the record in Luke that starts with Jesus and traces his lineage through just general humanity mm-hmm. back to God who created Adam. Mm-hmm. And so the objective of Luke was to establish 
his manhood, hmm. his connection to humanity. Hmm. Matthew wanted to establish his royalty. Luke wanted to establish his regular humanity. Yeah. And both accomplished that in a profound way by the people that they list as Jesus' ancestors. Hmm. Yeah. Critical stuff. Yeah. Really important. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, I think about the I think about the the Jews because lineages were incredibly important to them. Oh yeah, huge. Yeah. When when they when they talked about Jesus and were trying to belittle him in front of the crowds in John eight, and they said, "Well, we're not born in immorality, Jesus," yeah. trying to shame him because they knew his lineage. They knew that he came from uh, someone who didn't claim to be his dad, but his mom was married to this guy. Yeah. He was illegitimate yeah. in the eyes of the Jews. They knew his heritage. Yeah. Genealogy was a big thing. Yeah. The thing that surprises us as we get further into the book of John or even all the Gospels is they couldn't figure out that Jesus was actually born in Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. They thought he was from Nazareth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But had they done their homework, sure, they would have discovered he was actually born in the city of David yeah. in Bethlehem, mm-hmm. and, and which was where the Savior was coming from, where the king was coming from. He was mm-hmm. going to be born in Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. They all knew that, and they just, for some reason, well, we know why, because had they known he was the king, they wouldn't have crucified him. Yeah. And, of course, we needed Christ to be crucified for our salvation. Yeah. But, oh, yeah, the genealogy was a big deal to the Jews. It still is. Well, I think about, I think about Matthew, because Herod gathers you know, the Pharisees, and he says where's this guy supposed to be born? And he, he gathers these guys and they say, well, he, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. Right. And they could have walked, you know, however, three, four or five miles, however long it was to get to Bethlehem and figured it out for themselves. Yeah. But here they are. They understand that the Christ is to be born in Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. These mag- magi show up saying, we're coming to worship the king. And they don't go. Yeah. They don't, they don't follow right. the magi. Right. And it's notable, too, that the Magi came to worship the king. Yeah. Yeah. That's why they brought the gifts. This is what they did. When when kings had children, you know, wise men, kings from other regions would send envoys with presents. Yeah. And here, the the kings of the east, you know, some people say from China, maybe, (laughs) came with gifts, bearing gifts, because they knew a king was to be born. Yeah. And they knew when he when and where, yeah. Yeah. which is amazing. But <laughs> but the Jews in Jerusalem, yeah, didn't want to acknowledge it. Yeah. So yeah. 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 Awesome. Awesome stuff. But that that I think the the direction of these genealogies is is important to keep in mind. I, I think it's important because in Luke <clears throat> we see that Jesus came from sinners for sinners. Hmm. That's why he came hmm. and it establishes this fact uh, in that genealogy. You, you, you go back through both of the genealogies, and like you said earlier, there's, there's some questionable people in this. You, you would think that God's going to send his son, he would at least send him to a quality family. Right. This is anything but that. Yeah. I mean, these, this list in both of these genealogies is full of flamboyant, famous sinners. Yeah. I mean, we can go through them here a little bit, but uh, I wanted to read for you Hebrews 2.17 to kind of get you thinking about this. It says, Therefore he had to be made like his brothers, speaking of the Savior, 
Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Hmm. So he came from people for people. Hmm. He was a savior of all mankind, not just the rich and the royalty, not just the, you know, the high society folks, which could have been the case. Thankfully, it wasn't, but it wasn't for them. Mm-hmm. It was for everybody. It was for the shepherds. The shepherds are the ones who got the announcement. Yeah. You know, not, not the kings, yeah. not the, the rulers, of the shepherds. Yeah. Um, and so it was from beginning to end. The entire story is wrapped in the, 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 the cloak of the common man. Yeah. This is our Savior. He's my Savior. I, I don't have to have money or status or, you know, position in, in our, my culture. No. Jesus came for the lowest of the low, yeah. and his genealogy is riddled with <laughs> bums. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and not just bums, but famous bums right. yeah. that, you know, it, 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 it brings us to worship. Mm-hmm. It causes us to worship mm-hmm. when you think of these genealogies mm-hmm. of Christ. Um, so, yeah, I, I think this is important um, to, as we go into the Advent season, to consider uh, what is taking place, this uh, uh, condescension of God into a particular family for a particular reason. Uh, Even though he, he had royal blood running through his veins, he was born into poverty in a manger in a remote town in Israel with, with, really no wealth, mm-hmm. um, no status, um, it, to the point of really nobody knowing who he was. Yeah. Um, in a shameful situation. Yeah. Uh, a father who didn't claim him, a mother who was, you know, obviously pregnant somehow. Um, and so... I think both readers had their objectives. Luke, this is the savior of the common man. Matthew, this is the king of the world. Yeah. This is the king we, we've been expecting. This is the king that was promised. Yeah. You know, we can talk about the promises in the Old Testament that relate to this. He, for example, in Genesis 3.15 was promised by God to Adam. From you, from Eve, Adam and Eve will come a savior. Yeah. He'll, he'll be a human so first of all, right after sin, right after, right before they get booted from the garden, God announces to them, hey, I'm going to send a Savior that's going to deal with your sin problem. Talk about relief to Adam and Eve. Yeah. They thought it was going to be Cain. You know, they, That's what Cain means. Here's the one. Yeah. They thought he was the guy. And of course, it wasn't him, but, but that's what they thought. The promise was so real to them, they were anticipating the Savior that would be born to them who would come in and take care of their sin problem wasn't him, and that remained a mystery for who, who is it going to be? He's, I know he's going to be human. He can't be an angel. An angel can't mediate for a man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if it's just a man, a man can't mediate for God. It had to be a God-man. And God promised that to Adam and Eve in yeah. the garden, yeah. Genesis 3.15. And then you move to Genesis 12, 1 through 3, and we discover that this Savior is going to be given to the people of Israel. It's promised to Abraham. Yeah. The, the promised Savior is coming through you, Abraham. Through you will come blessing to every family and every tribe and every nation. 
through you, Abraham, will come this one that was promised to your forefathers, Adam and Eve. And then when we get to Second um, uh, Samuel 7, we discover not only is he going to be a human, not only is he going to come from the Jewish race, he's going to come from royal line of David. Yeah. The promise to David in Second Samuel 7 from you is coming the Messiah. Yeah. He's going to be. He's going to have royal blood flowing through his veins, which is why a lot of the Jewish people were surprised when Jesus claimed to be this one. No, we we thought we were having getting a king out of the deal, a conquering king. You know, in fact, in John eight or nine, I think they said, "Who is this Jesus? Who? Yeah. That, no, this isn't." The guy, this isn't the guy we've been waiting for. We got we we were expecting if he's gonna be coming in the line of King David, he would come conquer the Romans, set us back up as the number one nation in the world. And they said, Who is this Jesus? Yeah. What? No, thank you. Yeah. Um so they were expecting something different. God had great greater plan, you know, mm-hmm. much greater plans, great uh salvific eternal plans for his Messiah. Yeah. And, of course, we know the answers to all those questions now. But back then, this was a seriously confusing point. So, but anyways, you, you got you got these, these uh, genealogies that reveal the wondrous nature of, of our Savior. Mm-hmm. He's a king, and yet he's a pauper. Mm-hmm. He's one of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the creator of the universe, Hebrews 1. Yeah. But he's a servant of all mankind, Mark 10 and Isaiah 53. Yeah. He's a servant. And so he's the master of everything, but the servant of everyone. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, too, seeing like, it, as you read through the Old Testament, seeing how God sustained the line of David. You know, that well, it sustains the, the whole Jewish sure. line. Yeah. I mean, how many times did they go into captivity? Yeah. Yeah. How, how, how... And this remnant remains. <laughs> yeah. 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 And God keeps that line mm-hmm. all the way through to Christ's birth. Right. That's... I mean, yeah, it's it's spectacular. Yeah. It's a spectacular story. Greatest story ever told, I heard. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, in this lineage in, here in Matthew, there's there's a few women that are mentioned. Yes. Um, I know you and you and Rick Lyon talked a few weeks back about the role of women in in the church. But how, why is it why is it important that these uh, four four women are mentioned here in in Matthew chapter one? Well. Matthew is inspired, um, and so we couldn't accuse him of anything nefarious there. Um, so we have to assume that God had a purpose in mm-hmm. including the women that he does. Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Uriah, the wife of Uriah, rather. Mm-hmm. Those four. All four of them are non-Jews. <laughs> and they're women. So not only are they not Jews, they're women. That there, even in the line of the king, demonstrates God's love for mankind. Yeah. All of mankind, male, female, rich, poor, 
Jew, Gentile, all across the board, yeah. even in this lineage that is supposed to represent his royalty. And these women are not minor characters. Yeah. They're major characters, major players. I think when Rick Lyon and I talked about you know, the role of women in the church, we tried to emphasize God's interest in and desire for the women in the Bible, mm-hmm. the women in the church, and the important role that women play. Here is a obvious and clear demonstration of that very thing. Yeah. But, you know, let's look at these a little bit, one by one. You have, you have Tamar. Tamar, uh, we read of in Genesis 38, wasn't so squeaky clean. Mm-hmm. Not only was she a Gentile, but she was pulling shenanigans left and right. Um, she married Judah, dressed up like a prostitute in order to have sex with her father, um, uh, father-in-law rather, so she could get pregnant. Judah was her father-in-law. Um, and then uh, she got pregnant from her father-in-law, and those illegitimate boys are in the line of Christ, <laughs> those two. And then we have Rahab. What's Rahab famous for? Being a prostitute in Jericho, mm-hmm. one of the most immoral towns of its day. Rahab was one of the most immoral people in the immoral, most immoral town mm-hmm. of her day. She was a prostitute, and she's included in the line of Christ. Not only was she just included in the line of Christ, she married Solomon and became the mother of Boaz, who was the great-grandfather of King David, <laughs> from Rahab, yeah. the harlot. And then Ruth, we see also in that list. Uh, she was an outcast. She was a non-Jew, uh, a widow from Moab, who were actually enemies of the people of Israel. Uh, she was an idolater, She, but she moved back with her mother-in-law, Naomi. Uh, while living in uh, Israel, uh, she was very poor, needed some kind of support. So Naomi said to her, Ruth, why don't you go out to the fields and, and glean whatever the, whatever the shears leave behind, just pick it up and bring it home. And, and Boaz saw this beautiful young lady named Ruth um, and did everything he could to encourage her and support her um, and provide for her because he knew her situation and he knew Naomi's situation. And we get the idea of kinsman redeemer from that story in Ruth, the book of mm-hmm. Ruth. Uh, Boaz is actually a distant relative of Ruth, hmm. um, and or Naomi rather, and so he, if any sent in in essence, purchases the right to Ruth to marry her, and does marry her, and Ruth became the great grandmother of King David also. Bathsheba, she's the the you know lady who was married to Uriah, who David lusted over and ended up, you know, killing Uriah so he could get Bathsheba. Uh, she wasn't so clean herself. I mean, she could have said, no, I'm married to Uriah, even though King David had significant influence. She was a willing participant in that sin. Mm-hmm. And yet we see that God included the wife of Uriah. Hmm. Not not just because he was didn't want to use Bathsheba's name, but to demonstrate the sin of David and Bathsheba. Hmm. 
So Matthew was saying, listen, we have significant sinners here that are in the lineage of Christ, the royal lineage, lineage of Christ, even the wife of Uriah. And everybody exactly knew what Matthew was saying. This is a huge blot yeah. on the genealogy of Christ. Yeah. We got serious sinners here that we're dealing with. Murder, you know, adultery, uh, all this stuff. Yeah. As sick as it gets, incest. You know, it's it's the the dregs of society are here on display and they're in the genealogy of Christ, mm -hmm. which emphasizes Christ is the savior of sinners. Mm -hmm. He came to save sinners. He is one of us. He is the best possible representative mm -hmm. for mankind. Uh, he is the only possible representative of mankind and of God himself. If there's going to be mediation, there has to be equal representation from both parties. Jesus was that. Hmm. He equally represented God and equally represented man. Hmm. Perfect representative. Yeah. Perfect mediator yeah. that we have. Yeah. It's good stuff. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. It's, it's as you, you mentioned this already, but it's wonderful to see that our Savior isn't just for the higher echelon of society. Right. He's, he's one of us. Yeah. And he came to save sinners, those who know they are sick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it reminds me of, of uh, uh, Braveheart, William Wallace. Yeah. One of the reasons he was so popular is he was one of the Joe Blows from the local bar. Mm -hmm. He goes, they all knew him. They all knew he was a regular guy. Mm -hmm. He wasn't some kind of royalty. Mm -hmm. He was William Wallace. And they rallied around him like nobody's business. Mm -hmm. He was a representative of the people. So happened to be a good warrior. Yeah. But he was a representative of the people, the people. Yeah. This is like Jesus. Yeah. You know, he's our brave heart, really. Yeah. I mean, he is the, the perfect representative. Yeah. And when you get to know Jesus, you rally around him. I mean, you go to the mat for him. Look at look at from where he came. Mm -hmm. His genealogy reveals to us the 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 basic human mundane nature mm -hmm. that he had. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, and that's why we can sing songs like, Jesus, what a friend of sinners. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 The, whole, the whole nativity, the whole advent just, just oozes with this glorious condescension mm -hmm. that we have. Yeah, and I think it, it changes how we view other people too. Right, like hopefully, it, it should change how we how we view the world. Not just pointing a finger and saying, "Well, you're a sinner. God hates you." Blah blah blah. It's yeah. actually well, Christ actually was there dining with these people, and not just dining, but dying for them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Jesus cares about them. Yeah, you know, yeah. these people who we don't want in our lives, in our neighborhoods, even in our churches. We don't want that kind of right. person. Jesus would say, uh, that's why I came. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't come for the righteous, but the unrighteous. Yeah. I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. Yeah. Oh, what a wonderful Savior. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So this this lineage of Christ, how should it how should it translate into the way that we celebrate this Advent season? Well, we've been talking about it for the past half hour. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything we've said, it should it should give us a, a re- reverent awe of our Savior. It should bring unequal joy mm-hmm. to our hearts, knowing that He is here for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Advent is an opportunity to celebrate that great condescension that God had planned from before one human breathed the breath, Mm. God had planned this whole thing. Who would be the ancestors of Christ? How he would orchestrate the meticulous detail of his ancestry so that he would represent all from every walk of life. He would represent kings, servants, rich, poor, white. I mean, there's black all these people are in the lineage of Christ. Yeah. Every race, every color, every socioeconomic status. Yeah. He's <laughs> he's the absolute perfect savior. Yeah. There's that that makes us worship. Yeah. That's that's what the genealogies are intended to do. Yeah. Is to help us see what an amazing God and savior we have who cares about the details and cares about the smallest of details, the smallest and most insignificant of people God cares about and died for. Hmm. This is the reason he came. This is the reason he came with the lineage he had so that he could die. (laughs) So that when he died, the blood that was flowing through his veins was blood from every single race. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That is, that's amazing. It's spectacular. Well, friends, this has been an encouragement to me as I reflect on this lineage of Christ. And we pray that as you read through these texts during this Advent season, that it would translate into worship, that you would see the wonderful Savior and that he came to save sinners like us. And uh, yeah, what a wonderful Savior. What a wonderful Savior. Church, we love you. We look forward to Sunday as we worship together and next week as we talk about the Magi, the Shepherds, and the gifts that were brought. Have a great day, Sunday.